This is Transistor.fm. Hey, do you think it's possible to build a healthy software business when you don't know how to code? Heaton Shaw is on the show today. He and his co-founder, Neil Patel, have built two successful SaaS apps, Crazy Egg and Kiss Metrics. Today you'll hear Heaton's secret to being a successful entrepreneur. I just finished creating a new account on Sprintly for a new product project I'm working on. Uh, the reason is that whenever I enter tasks and user stories in Sprintly, I actually get things done. In Sprintly, when you add a task, it's completely focused on your customer. Basically, what outcome does the customer want to achieve? You and your team can try Sprintly for free by going to www.sprint.ly. Hey, this is Justin Jackson, and this show is called Product People. It's a podcast focused on great products and the people who make them. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Heaton Shaw of Kissmetrics. Hey, Heaton, how's it going? Really good. Right on, right on. What, what's a what's a regular Thursday look like for you? Um, that's a good question. Uh, today, I happen to be in the office. I'm either usually meeting with other entrepreneurs, meeting with customers, or meeting with somebody on my team. And uh, and usually if I'm meeting with someone on my team, it has something to do with product. So that's probably why I'm talking to you today. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much about it. So today is a combination of all that. We have um, every other Thursday, we have a all, all hands meeting uh, at Kissmetrics. So uh, that'll be happening in a couple hours after this. Uh, so yeah, that, that's it. Right on, and and you you're one of the the founders of Kissmetrics. Are you are you the CEO right now? Uh, I was the CEO, and then and then uh, we had uh, a CEO join us uh, late last year, and I'm technically now my title is president. Right on, right on. Well, let's let's start by quickly describing your product. What what is Kissmetrics? Um, you know, sometimes I describe it as we do analytics stuff. Um, we've been we've been in business about five years. Uh, about four years ago, we came up with this idea of, um, you know, after a few pivots, as they say, um, this idea that um, analytics really should be about understanding people and your actual users. Mm-hmm. And so we basically built uh, built we built we built a system that allows you to actually analyze your customers and. Mm-hmm. We started it by having a, a, a funnel report that had a lot of, um, you know, if I do say so myself, a lot of innovation at the time, in, at the end of 2009, that nobody else was really doing. Hmm. And, yeah, we've just grown it since then. We specifically target marketers. We also have a whole bunch of product people using us as well um, in terms of end users. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so let's let's start by getting to know a little bit more about you and and kind of your backstory. Uh, wh- where'd you grow up? When did you get into computers? And when did you start getting interested in building products? Yeah, um, I was uh, I was actually born in 1981, so I'll go all the way back for you. Right on. By the time I was six years old, my dad told me I should be an entrepreneur. He's a <laughs> he's a physician. He's an anesthesiologist. Yeah. And, and by the time I was eight, I think partly to fuel that, 
uh, he got me my first computer, which was uh, uh, I think like an 8086. Okay. Uh, so I'm from the 8086, 8088, 286, 386, Pentium 1, 2, whatever, all the way up. Yeah. I had a computer since I was eight years old. So I've had a computer for uh, 23, 24 years. So it's hitting on almost 25 years, and I grew up with a computer. Yeah. Um, what yeah. was it about? What was it about being six years old? Because your dad was a professional. Why did he look at you as a six-year-old and say you should be an entrepreneur? I think it had something to do with the values he, he tried to instill in me, but a lot of it just had to do with, um, you know, there's a lot of facets to that, of course, but one is control of your own destiny. So mm -hmm. full control over, you know, as much as you can possibly control in your professional and personal life. So I think that's a big deal for him. Um, that's a lesson I learned from him. I think another thing for him is potential ability to impact the world. Um, and so if you can make your own time, so to speak, you're able to impact the world in whatever way you want and have almost unlimited impact, so to speak. And so I think that was important to him. And then the lastly is, is probably less spiritual or less um, philosophical and more practical uh, in today's life, which is simply he went to work and he still goes to work and he makes money and he has some form of an hour, hourly salary, right? Yeah. Um, you can always back into that. Um, my world isn't like that. Um, so I think he, he really unknowingly probably, in a way, taught me a lot about leverage and how to leverage my own time so that I can do the most valuable things that I can possibly do. And the way you do that, which is another similar lesson that he taught me, he's very good at this actually, is how do I find very, how do you find very talented people to do things um, better than you and mm. get them and enable them to do those things um, and that should be your job. And, he, and I think only an entrepreneur can truly do that is, is kind of probably the way, the way um, I, this is all my interpretation of what he, what he, what he, how he sort of influenced me. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was, none of those things did he deliberately say to me in that way. Mm -hmm. He just showed, he just, I learned by his example. He runs health, health fairs, health camps all over the world. Yeah. And they're all free, completely, 100%, all the way, and for anybody, whether you have health insurance or not, doesn't matter. And all the way from blood tests to mammograms to EKGs to even like, he had his first uh, US America, America, uh, surgery, free surgeries in America uh, late last year. Uh, or last year, and uh, he used to do those, or he still does, all around the world. But in America, <laughs> that's a very difficult thing to pull off. So that was a big accomplishment for him. Huh. And and where, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in California? So I was actually born in Zambia, Africa. Okay. And uh, and and then uh, my family and I moved to New York when I was five, and then moved to uh, Southern California when I was twelve, and then. Um, I, I, I grew up basically in Southern California, teenager onwards, and then went to UC Berkeley for college, stayed actually five and a half years, and, uh, and then moved back to LA, started my first business, which was a sort of consulting marketing agency, uh, and then uh, moved back up here in San Francisco Bay Area in about 07. 
Okay. And, and growing up, were you, were you always into building things? Did you start, like, were you making and selling things, uh, you know, growing up as a kid? Or when did you start getting interested in building products? Yeah, so like, well, like a lot of kids of that era, I, uh, I loved my Legos and Erector sets and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I was crazy about building all that. I was probably more crazy about taking things apart and okay. not being able to put them back together. Yeah. So I used to do, I did that with our phone for some reason. Like, I don't know why, but, and it, it never got into this, like, in terms of as a career or potential uh, professional education, but I, I would, I just like circuit boards and stuff like that, but I never really, like, built stuff with them too much. just like to take shit apart and see what <laughs> happens. Um, and then I got really into, like, I, I built my own computers and stuff like that, but, you know, I would build them not even for like gaming or any of that. It was just more curiosity, pure, pure mm-hmm. curiosity, out more than anything else. I mean, I didn't even want to understand. I'm, I'm sort of odd like that. I didn't even want to understand how it all worked. Yeah. But I wanted to understand how it all worked. Meaning, I didn't want to read something to tell me. I didn't care about you know voltage. I didn't care about the theories behind it. I just wanted to feel, feel it, do it, and and sort of figure it out. And I didn't like reading instructions. Yeah. Huh. And so you're building your own, you're building your own machines and stuff like that. Um, can you remember the first time you ever felt like an entrepreneur? Yeah, that's a good question. I never thought of that question, believe it or not. Um, no, I can't because <laughs> it's not a feeling for me. Yeah. What is it? How would you describe it? It's me. It's it's just who you are. Yeah, it's not a feeling. I don't know how to feel like an entrepreneur. I know how to feel like myself. Yeah. Well, you, you asked me how am I doing mm-hmm. when, when we first talked before you started recording or before we started, and, and I said, um, uh, uh, you know, no complaints. Mm-hmm. And and that's the feeling. If you if you if you want to get into a feeling, it's like to me, it's a feeling of never having any complaints. Like that that's the feeling of being an entrepreneur to me. Yeah. If you were to, if I were to peg it, and I've felt that all my life. And so, when, like, when was the first time you sold something? Like, when was, when did you get? Can you, can you remember when you had your first sale? Sure. Uh, it was uh, during high school, early in high school, when I, and this is what I remember. I'm sure there's something before that, but when I, uh, when I sold uh, car parts so I could fix up my own car. Okay. So for me, you know, it's an interesting question the way you asked it, right? When, when I first sold something. To me, being an entrepreneur and, or whatever, you know, you want to call it, like, mm-hmm. it, to me, the definition isn't about selling things, which might be different from my co-founder, Neil, but uh, yeah, for me, it's actually building something out of nothing. Okay. Creating. Creating is so much more, to me, what I define as entrepreneurship than anything else. There's other people that create things, too. There's artists, um, you know, there's people that would say, you know, I'm a creator. What do you think is the difference between an entrepreneur and someone like an artist? Maybe there isn't any difference. Like, we all need to create things, you know, for the artist, it's creating for their own pleasure, but they created something from nothing. Blank slate, you know, Mm -hmm. and made it up. I think that, you know, and even the word entrepreneur, a lot of my friends don't like it. But, you know, it is what it is. But, like, I don't have an opinion. I just think that's an easy way to define what we think an entrepreneur is or whatever that is. Um, 
I think she's a builder builder of stuff that didn't exist before. That's that's a definition for me. So okay. an artist could be that. Um, you know, uh, anybody. You bake, you you create bread, right? You take these ingredients, you put in a bread machine, or maybe you don't. Maybe you maybe you're more pure than that, and you put it in the oven and you bake it, and then people eat it and taste good, and that's your product. You created it. That's mm -hmm. that's an entrepreneur in some way, shape, or form because they had to put all this stuff together, put it in, you know, do all the little things to make it happen, bake it, and then people consumed it. And so for you, what is the definition of a good entrepreneur? They create things that people liked. Eh, they create things that people love. Hmm. So using your example of, of bread, um, if, 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 so, if you've gone through all the, the process to create the bread and then you deliver it and people consume it and enjoy it, would that be a successful entrepreneur? Yeah. That would be a successful entrepreneurial endeavor because they created it from nothing. They um, and it was with the intention of somebody consuming it, and someone consumed it successfully and enjoyed it or loved it, and that's important. That doesn't mean that you don't create all these things and they fail, you know, and that's that's bad or anything. It's just that I wouldn't say that was successful in that <laughs> case. They, they made the bread and it tasted bad and nobody liked it. What do you think it is about, you know, now that we're kind of on this tangent, we'll, we'll get back to your story in a sec, but what do you sure. think it is about, you know, I think there's a lot of people that want to be entrepreneurs. There's a lot of people that want to build products and, but there's, there's definitely this line. There's, you know, there's some people that can't get past, um, they never, they never bake the bread. They, they never actually, they might, they might bake the bread, but then they never deliver it to any customers. Um, other people, you know, they, they seem to just get stuck along the way. People that want to be entrepreneurs. What's the part that they trip up on the most? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think every, every, every entrepreneur, everybody trying to create something is different, right? Like the, and if I were to just pick on one thing, I mean, I'd say that they don't, they don't bother to figure out, yeah, I guess I would say that they don't bother to figure out what it is that they should be creating that people will love. Mm -hmm. Like that that's actually probably where everyone gets where most entrepreneurs get stuck, which is if I were to point one thing out, it's like you have to build things and people have to love them or you don't have a business and you actually haven't built anything worthy of being built. Now, that could just be that, you know, you you know, someone you cook dinner for 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 you know your spouse and uh, they love it and that's an endeavor that worked out and that was great. But like, if you don't know what what he or she likes or um, you know how to make how to make it so that it's something they love, whether it's just your company or whatever, that that, that experience, that whole process, I would say is is you know an analogy for products on the web today or whatever would be that you're really trying to figure that piece out of like what is it that I can create. And, and why would someone? Why is someone going to love it? And you know that that boils down to to me, it, it's all product. Mm -hmm. and honestly, to me, like something I've been thinking about a lot is just this idea that I think almost any problem you see in in, in a company usually boils down to you know the people, obviously in the company and, and what they're doing, why they're doing it, etc. But really, a business problem usually boils down if taking out the people, it usually boils down to the product. Mm -hmm. And 
going back to your story now, can you can you think of a time where uh, you built some, like what was the first time you built something that somebody loved? And maybe while you're thinking about that too, can you can you think of also some times where you you built something and for whatever reason people didn't like it? Yeah, I mean that goes back to my my answer. I mean honestly, either of those I can't really remember. And here and the reason why is I've built so many things. I don't even know this is the first thing I've built. I don't remember. Like I can't even tell you. It's been it's been about ten years on the internet. So on the internet, you know, and doing business on the internet, I don't even remember. Yeah. Um, and, and my memory is generally pretty foggy. Uh, so so that's part of the problem. Uh, especially <laughs> further back it goes. Um, but you know, I, I can I can tell you I can tell you my moments of joy, uh, and they have a lot to do with the feedback loop um, of just knowing that what I've done was appreciated. Hmm. And uh, I think that's one of the things that's actually hard to manufacture, right? The fact that you do something and it's appreciated by, let's say, your customer. So, for example, I'll flip it around and say, you know, the, the time when I, I, I sort of felt joy of what, what I built, it's kind of weird, but it's like we, we, we were working on Crazy Egg, which is a, a software product we still own. It's self-funded, and it basically shows people... Um, you know, the, t the tagline for it is basically see where people click yeah. uh, and live on your web pages. And, you know, we built it really early, and at some point, uh, the folks at 37 Signals got wind of it. Um, and this is when, you know, th they've always been popular, but they were idols of mine at the time. And, you know, people I looked up to because they built software products and were successful doing it. And, uh, you know, they created Ruby on Rails at the time. Crazy Egg was built on Ruby on Rails. And, you know, they did a blog post about Crazy Egg and how much they loved it and showed screenshots of their heat maps, and that was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And you think that just the feeling of that blog post and people I respect kind of, um, uh, you know, sort of writing about it made me happy, but really what made me happier was the fact that, and this is personal, but was the fact that in the comments, you know, we obviously have, at that time, there was a competitor that was doing something a little bit different around mouse movements and recording them called Clicktail. Mm -hmm. and that's all they did at the time, and you know we were we get we, we got compared to them back then, um, and and somebody somebody basically put me as a pro like me Keaton as the pro versus a con of going with Crazy Egg, and the reason they did that is at that time I was responding to all support requests and <laughs> and commenting on all the blogs that ever wrote about us and all that kind of stuff. So that actually is the time when like I felt really good. Because my, my efforts were appreciated. And those were my personal efforts. So it's, it wasn't just the product, because I felt like I do always have to build a really good product, or you know, it shouldn't be you know, doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and, but it was really the feeling of that, that sort of, you know, my efforts were not going to waste, and people noticed. Yeah. Well, and that brings up an interesting idea. Uh, and you've kind of alluded to this, but this idea of people and product, and they kind of both merge together um, in terms of someone's experience. So in, in the case of uh, Crazy Egg, you, you know, you had a product that, that had some utility and hopefully had, you know, a good UI and everything else. But this person, um, this person noticed you as a person, uh, as a part of that experience. Uh, do you think that's fairly important to have both, the, this idea of actual people uh, being a part of the the experience? Yeah, I think that's very important, especially as the creator or creators of things. 
um, the people aspect is huge and, and probably one of the most important things because you, you created it. How do you, you, I guess another way to put it is how do you humanize a product? Mm -hmm. right? You humanize a product by sharing and communicating that we built it. Right? Mm -hmm. it was built. Yeah. And I'm actually thinking about, you know, because I think a lot of people miss this. There, there's, there's this idea that we could build just some software and some code and a design and then kind of leave that and that we could personally separate ourselves from that and, um, you know, just let the machine work without any of our involvement. But that doesn't sound like it's been your experience. It sounds like to have a su successful company for you, it's meant that you have to be personally involved, that you have to build relationships, that you have to be, uh, you know, actually reaching out and connecting with customers. Is, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe this is a good time to, to talk about uh, you and Neil, uh, because Neil has been your Neil was your co-founder with uh, with Crazy Egg, right? Yeah, all of the businesses I've started, Neil and I have started together on the internet. Okay, so Neil Patel, tell me how you met him and how you guys ended up building your first business together. Yeah, so he, um, so I've known him since he was 11 and I was 15. Okay. And uh, I'm actually married to his sister, so he's my brother-in-law. Okay. And uh, basically in uh, 2003, I was getting out of college and he was getting into college. Mm -hmm. And um, he had one customer paying him 3500 bucks a month for SEO. <laughs> okay. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I don't know that much about the internet like you do about marketing and stuff like that. But, you know, I know how to use a computer really well, uh, better than most people. And so, you know, and I, I, I think I understand business. I had a bunch of offline businesses in college. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, I, I, had, I had freedom. Let's just put it that way. I bought freedom in college because I just didn't have to work um, for, for many years if I didn't want to. And so, and, and I actually at that time I moved back home just because there's nothing better to do. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, uh, I was living at home, going to get married to his sister, and we just decided to start the consulting company doing basically, at the beginning, SEO for other companies. And so you guys started this, this company together, and he was just in college. How did that go, actually? How did, how did the consulting company go? It was great. I mean, we just started growing it and uh, started making money. Um, I think we just realized early on that we didn't want to be in the services business in the long run. Mm -hmm. And so, and neither of us were technical or are technical technically, I guess. Um, I fake it. He doesn't try to. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we just started hiring designers and developers uh, to try to build our own stuff as well as stuff for our customers. Uh, we did, never really did an official, you know, development shop or anything like that. Uh, but we definitely did a lot of design work and stuff like that. And, and that really got, that, that. I think that really brought out my my personal passion for building good products and great products and wanting to keep trying to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so we just spent all of our money, literally all of it. Uh, we were both living at home, so it wasn't really, we didn't have that many expenses or anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks to our parents. And uh, so we just were able to have the freedom to learn by spending our money uh, in that way uh, by hiring people and try to build different things. Interesting. And, and, the, and is that what, that's how Crazy Egg was created? 
Yeah, it was one of about 10 things we tried, and it was the one that ended up resonating most with people. Uh, we did a lot of things that you know now are sort of more common to do, like start, create an early access list and stuff like that, hmm. um, you know, and market it by you know writing and, and, and sort of getting involved in certain communities and stuff like that. So all the stuff that's much easier to do now and kind of obvious, uh, we, we actually did on that one compared to the other stuff we did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it, and it worked, and it started growing. And talk about, so launch. What? How many people did you launch Crazy Egg to? So we, we had an email list of about 23,000 people. Um, we had a few thousand people using it very early when it was pretty ghetto. Um, and, and what you would call MVP today, that was built actually pretty fast in a couple months. Okay. Time, that was pretty fast. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we basically just blasted the list. The day we launched, we got we got on Dig, which drove a lot of signups and traffic. And you know, originally we had a free plan. That product doesn't have a free plan anymore. Um, and that all just started driving the initial growth and, and, and conversion and stuff like that. And from day one, it was a paid product. Hmm. We also are probably one of the first companies to do uh, a table with tiered pricing and pop out one of the price points. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, and then everyone else started doing it, including 37 Signals, but that's something else prior to that. Like, you could even still type in, like, crazy egg pricing table and get a, a link from 2007 where someone tried to copy our pricing table. <laughs> like it, and, you know, wrote all the code on how to do it. Like, this was, like, back in the day when that stuff just wasn't that easy. I just pulled up that article, and it still exists. Pretty hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we did something really slick, actually, at the time that we don't do anymore, where when you click the price point, it would shift to the left, and then the sign-up form would appear. So huh. little little things like that that, you know, we always, you know, I mean, to me, that's, that's product in a lot of ways, but we, we came up with really cool stuff like that. We had... Some awesome designers we were working with at the time, and uh, yeah. I think we'll circle back in the second part of the show to that idea of having a list of twenty-three thousand and um, you know building that kind of audience. Um, one thing that's interesting that we've been talking about a lot lately is you know there's a lot of people that are trying to build things by themselves, and um, you and Neil have built, like you said, almost everything together. Was that something that you'd planned? Like, was that something you realized that you guys together were were uh, you know stronger as a pair than you would be just trying to build something on your own? We're very complementary um, at this point. Uh, he's really really into sales and marketing, and I'm really really into product and engineering. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just complement each other, and, and we both cross over uh, quite a bit as well. Uh, on both of those things as well. So, yeah, I mean, it just sort of evolved over time. We've been working together 10 years now, so we have a pretty good flow, um, you know, that we figured out over, over that period of time. Do you think it's easier for people to actually start something and ship it when there's two of you as opposed to just one person, you know, working in their parents' basement? That's interesting. Um, just like with most things in life, I think it depends. Um, mm -hmm. And I just say that because I've seen both work. A, yeah. a, a whole bunch of my friends have have been single founders, like just single one founder, not no co-founder. And yeah, I mean, I think it's better when there's two people. Um, in general, you have somebody to bounce stuff off, but then it can complicate things as well because now you got two brains you got to deal with, right? Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's all relative. If you're able to do all the stuff yourself, um, and it just happens faster that way, and that's your way, that's great. But like, you know, one one thing to think about is like, as you scale something, you do end up having to um, have other people help you. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And what what were some of the lessons you learned as you were, you know, building Crazy Egg in terms of uh, putting together a good team? What 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 were some things that you kind of learned along the way? I think the big th the big thing we learned with Crazy Egg is simply you you can you can build you can build successful companies without having to write any code yourself, which in today's world is probably somewhat controversial. Um, as long as you're able to figure out how to work with those people that are able to write code and design. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I've always been the product person for all the things that you know I've built with Neil. Mm -hmm. And so it's my job to make sure, you know, uh, one, one thing I like to say is uh, I can out-Google anyone, including our engineers. Um, so that's a helpful skill. Um, yeah. It helped that you know we were into SEO and stuff like that early on because I, you know, uh, also I love I love finding information that's useful to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, I can usually find something faster than anyone else um, as well. Um, part of it is just a memory for those type of things, like a visual memory and a sort of uh, uh, alphabetical memory, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and then I know how to use a search engine. So I think, I think, I think, for me, that's probably the biggest takeaway, which is like, and it's counterintuitive today. That being said, um, I, I I know how to edit code um, to the point where it can be very dangerous, um, <laughs> but I don't know how to write code from scratch personally at the moment, um, except maybe some sort of PHP code, just because I've spent too much time in WordPress. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That, that, that's sort of, um, I guess, the biggest lesson, which is, might be counterintuitive to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that's great. I mean, there's there's a lot of people out there that you know would say they love technology, um, but for whatever reason, they wouldn't describe themselves as a, a designer or a developer. And uh, it's nice actually to have those examples of people that kind of fit outside of the the designer developer um, kind of molds. There are some people that love technology, but um, and are still building products. Right, yeah, I mean, it, it's totally possible, it's just you have to you have to learn on the job and you have to basically be able to speak to engineers and designers um, without, without sort of seeming completely ignorant. Yeah, and so what led to the creation of Kissmetrics? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple, like we, we had Crazy X and we understood how that business worked and we were basically building a second product that was, you know, the purpose of it, the goal of it was to take on a, basically a bigger opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the way we describe it is there's, at that time there was Omniture, which was targeting really large companies, and Google Analytics, which was free, targeting everybody. And there wasn't really a brand or a business in the middle. And so that's what, um, that's what our goal with um, Kissmetrics was, which is, can we can we go in there and build a product that's right in the middle between those two, that's very valuable and useful to companies. Yeah, and, and so you started Kissmetrics in two thousand and eight, right? Right. And and for Kissmetrics, you raised uh, capital. How, how much did you raise? With Kissmetrics, the first round we raised about a million dollars. Okay, and 
what was because you'd bootstrapped Crazy Egg, right? Yeah, self-funded. Yeah. Okay, and so why did you decide to raise uh, venture capital uh, with Kissmetrics? Um, some some of the same folks that um, we pitched Crazy Egg to, which we never raised money for, and you know they went funded just because it was low price points and you know people barely understood how that those businesses scaled. Now it's sort of more common. Um, so we didn't raise money from those folks, and we ended up, you know, having this bigger idea with Kissmetrics that they felt uh, was more a venture-fundable business. So we, we, you know, they were willing to write us a check. So that's one reason. And another reason is um, Crazy Egg was doing great and it was going to grow. But Neil and I are have always like found a way to sort of unspoken, but it's been more deliberate, you know, over time to basically learn by doing and optimize for learning over money. Um, or anything else, because we really believe that experience is really what you know we 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 really like you know mm-hmm. driven by like just more experience, more learning, more knowledge, more information, more ability to do new things that we don't know how to do. We're I don't, I don't think either of us fears the unknown mm-hmm. um, at all at this point, especially uh, or has any fear of anything to be honest, especially in business. Um, so you know we just optimize for okay, what does venture capital feel like? What, what, what can we do if we actually had money up front versus having to fund everything ourselves? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people talk about startups and especially the amount of, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of money that that's required or can be required. But the, the other side of that is people always say that it takes an enormous amount of time and energy. Uh, has that proven true for you guys as well? Like, does it really take as much time and energy as, as people say? It's a good question. Um, it depends if you, how deliberate you are about your goals. Mm-hmm. Really. Like if you're, if your goal is to build the biggest business possible as fast as possible. Yeah. It probably takes that kind of energy. Um, so that you're just hammering all the time and, you know, trying to get things done. That being said, um, there, there's, probably ways to grow a business without having to, um, you know, by not thinking of it that way and almost doing the opposite, which is what's the least amount of time I can spend to have the most, you know, make the most money or have the most impact or get the most customers. So it just really depends on your thinking and your goals. And uh, we talked a little bit about this before the show, but you're, you're a family man. How many, how many kids do you have? Uh, I just have uh, one kid. He's three years old now. Okay, so you're you, you have this young family, and um, how, how have you balanced this startup life, which some people can say can take your whole life if you let it, with having a, a family and and uh, being a dad to uh, your son? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, as I was growing up, uh, you know, one, my dad told me to be an entrepreneur. Two. He, he highly suggested and recommended that I get married early and that I have a kid early. And so my short, quick answer is, you know, marry well, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, marry someone that understands you and, and, and get to know them early. And so, uh, you know, my wife and I started dating when we were 15. Um, and so that, that's probably this, my secret weapon is her when it comes to that. <laughs> Yeah, um, she's awesome. She also, she actually, uh, Neil and I don't work on Crazy Egg. She runs the whole company. Okay. Uh, and uh, as of right now, and she also, you know, is at home with the kid. And we don't have an office for Crazy Egg. 
um, and very few people work on it um, full time. And so, you know, that that that's probably the secret weapon. Now, that's probably because just because her and I have an understanding that was developed over like over over about you know 16, 17 years now, mm-hmm. um, because we grew up together essentially and and kind of developed our own sort of um, way of doing things together. And so, and have been through a ton of stuff, obviously, that many years. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think that's the key for me. And then on top of that, it's like, uh, just, you know, the one, the one other trick I would say is like, if you're an entrepreneur, typically, even when you're at home, you're always thinking about things related to what you're doing, your business, things you're involved in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great. That's fine. But when I'm at home, I do I do my best to be present and at home. Doesn't mean I'm not checking my phone. Don't get me wrong. My emails like I don't I don't know how to check email only like three times a day or anything. Yeah. Or anything. But my point is, when I'm doing something with my family, I'm there one thousand percent. And that's probably a trick that I've learned over time, which is like I'm just there a thousand percent. And that means that like when they meet me or when I'm hanging out with my kid, I'm there, right? And my kid knows I'm there. And, And a big thanks to Heaton for being on the show. He's back next week to talk specific tactics on marketing your business, so stay tuned for that. Let's do some shout outs, shall we? First shout out is from John Davis of doihavesomething.com. John says, Google AdWords can be a good way to drive traffic to a smoke test. I'm a PPC analyst offering to help lean startups for free. With a customer segment and value proposition for a startup idea, I will create a PPC campaign and email it to them. So to check that out, go to doihavesomething.com. Next up, I'm giving myself a shout-out. I'm writing a book called Product People Secrets. You can find out more by going to productpeople.tv slash book. Next up, hover.com slash productpeople. Register a domain with hover.com and use the promo code productpeople, all one word, to get 10% off your order. That's productpeople, all one word, at hover.com. If you want to be featured in the shout-out section, it starts at $39, and you can check that out at productpeople.tv slash shoutout. We will see you next week with part two with Heaton Shaw. Thanks for listening. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.